welcome to AMO Kenzoku, episode 21. We are a group of four bubblegum crisis Bruma otaku who discuss all topics related to anime, manga, and any other tangential otaku-related culture. The Kenzoku are Mike. Hey, y'all. Dylan. Hello. Sam. Hello. And I am your host tonight, Nick. We are recording this episode on October 27th, and our topic of discussion will be the 1984 OVA, Birth. Hashin. So, I'm thinking maybe we start because I, I would be shocked if too many people out there really know much about the background and you know, the the history of birth. So maybe just start with some of the, the factoids. So it looks like it came out in the summer of 1984. And uh, it was directed by uh, Shinya Sadamitsu and has some real heavy hitters in the rest of the staff. Uh, the music, notably, is by Joe Hisaishi, who basically composes everything Ghibli. So if you've ever enjoyed a Ghibli soundtrack, he's the reason why. And uh, he, he, did, he did compose the music for, for Birth, which I totally did not catch until the credits, to be honest. It did Same. not sound like a typical Hisaishi sound. Uh, this is definitely one of his earliest works, so that might, you know, track as to why it wasn't very recognizable. I kept going back to, like, uh, various feelings about this OVA, but, like, and thinking... Oh, but man, this music's really good. <laughs> Gotta see who did this. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I was thinking part of like especially the I would say the back half, especially, I was starting to, you know, lose a bit more interest, but specifically the music kept uh kept dragging me back in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that kinda that kind of tracks as to when I saw when I saw the, the credits, I'm like, oh, this is that why? So yeah. That's yeah. That was a, that was probably one of the bigger surprises uh, with regards to the uh, animation production. Sorry, hang on a um, second here. Yeah. Um, What's up? So just to be clear, place you can watch this is if you go to YouTube and you search "Birth 1984," it'll come up. And once you get to the credits, you will see that it is quite literally a rip of the ADV. Uh, subtitled version of this that they put out in 04, I believe. Uh, yeah, like 2004. Yep. Um, so I feel like and, they did something else with that though, because it didn't have hard subs, and the VHS ADV release would have had hard subs. So. Well, they said that they had a DVD release, so someone would have been a DVD, most likely. Uh, okay. So someone probably ripped it from there and took out the subtitle track as a closed caption track. I don't know how you do all those things for YouTube, but it seems like it's Magic. doable. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a bad host. I did do a bit more background research on the history of, the, specifically the title, because it actually goes by a couple of other titles, at least when it was released on VHS in the US originally, because I I believe uh, the original US dub in the 80s was released by the infamous Harmony Gold uh, is from what I was reading. Of uh, They're notable for the uh, the, the Macross uh, 
Robotech debacle. Um, that probably is a topic we can save for an episode itself. Yeah, I was looking. Their their title was The World of the Talisman. Right, that's what I'm saying, is The World of the Talisman, which... Boy, that cover. Ma- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, very the, 80s. The, if you go to... Uh, I think I found the covers. If you, if you look the title up on IMDb, you can find images of all of these different covers, because that was their first one. And to describe it, it looks like if a... I don't know if if three different fifteen year olds drew weird sci fi and then fantasy stuff that had nothing to do with the actual anything, and they made that the cover. I mean, the the things on the cover, at least the one I'm looking at, are in the show, but it does look like you know some fifteen year old trying to draw anime. I think that's yeah. You might be discrediting fifteen year old. It looks like to me, it looks like a like a ten year old was trying like a ta- a talented ten year old because they're within the lines. But the face shape and everything's are very uh, basic compared to the. I mean, it's not like the character designs were, you know, immaculate for the source material. But uh, but yeah, the cover for for the world of the talisman certainly. Um, Leaves a lot to be desired, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the original uh, ADV DVD cover definitely you know uses the nice key art. It's just un- it's unfortunately plastered on a very uh, what's what am I trying to describe? It looks like they did a really poor job, kind of blending it into the background. They dropped it in like they they hired their intern who had some Photoshop skills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame because the the key art itself is great, but it's yeah it's treated very poorly in the uh, in the cover. Oof! I just found that World of the Talisman cover, and yeah, though I do have to say it's at least less deceptive than the Warriors of the Wind cover, for example. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. At least the stuff is all in there. True. Yeah, that's true. Well, you're also skipping out the other title, which was Planet Busters. Well, so. Planet Busters, my understanding is that it was the original manga was titled Birth Planet Busters, is my understanding. So Planet Busters mm. technically is not a a made up title, but yeah, it, it the cover is something else. <laughs> oh, good old streamline. And with the tagline of in space no one can hear you laugh. <laughs> yeah, like what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean you gotta gotta make the alien call back, but do you really have to? Oh. And then, yeah, yeah they feature that... the the one comic relief character in the in the entire uh, in the entire OVA. And that's <laughs> just a horrible tagline because it could be read as being like, "Yeah, no one can hear you laugh because it's not funny." I mean, yeah, I guess if you think about it, <laughs> but, but clearly they didn't think too much about it. <laughs> yeah. It is not a f- it the humor in particular in this thing is kind of weird. Like there are actually lots of gags, but they're actually they're they're bad. <laughs> they're not funny. <laughs> Some of them are funny in a like what what the heck is going on? <laughs> like the yeah, the little I green agree. inorganic who ends up being like the the the, the one that ends up point. destroying the world. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> That's a weird callback that, like, is a yeah, like that brings about the climax of the whole OVA. 
I actually thought that brought. I actually thought that made the final finale a bit more interesting because I'm not gonna lie. The entire I'm, we're jumping a bit, but the entire segment in the Lost City I thought was really dull. I I, I had I was struggling through that part. Not yes, gonna lie. Same. Um, I, I but, watched it in two anyway. sittings. Because of that. <laughs> yeah, same. Um. Uh, winding back a bit, going back to the staff. Uh, so yeah, so he saw you. She did the music, and then I want to, for the animation team. There are two key individuals I want to point out. Um, the first of which is uh, Yoshinori Kanada, who uh, worked on quite a lot of um, Ghibli movies across his career. I mean, he's he's worked with the, some of the industry's heavy hitters. He's you know viewed as the inspiration for a lot of today's, you know, legendary animators. So he, you know, he was a notable, he was um, notably one of the key animators. And the other was, of course, a young, bright-eyed Hideaki Anno of Eva fame. We don't know that guy here. No, never um, heard of him. Uh, I, was, I was talking about this with the uh, pre-recording, but I'm almost fully convinced the one because one area of birth there are a few there are several areas that i was very impressed with but one area in particular was in the first half there is quite a lot of you know shattering of rock and buildings and you know that sort of thing and my goodness the, those the crumbling rock has never looked so good in yeah. something that old and i'm fully yeah. convinced Anno probably worked on those scenes because he's kind of really famous for his, you know, super detailed, like, particle effect, you know, hand animating. Like, that's one mm -hmm. of his call signs, right? So I'm I'm sure he had a heavy influence on some of those scenes. Because especially, I would say, in the opening, probably 15 minutes, which is effectively, like, a, you know, a, tr like, super long 20-minute, like, chase scene, for lack of a better description. You know, it's, to me, that was the best part of the OVA, was, was that opening, probably maybe 20 minutes. Um, with you know the cam the the way they chose for the camera angles and you know the uh the animation in general the 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 perspective they use and then of course you know the um the the sh the rock shattering effects i thought were just quite impressive um i don't know if if the i don't know if that's if, if that there's a consensus for that here i might just be uh, alone in that but i mean i don't know if i would be able to call on no but i mean possible but seems I, I, as likely as not yeah so i was i, mean, I was I reading a, uh, a bit and and stuff on um on yoshinori kanada and it, i thought it was pretty interesting and it was one of those things where i kind of i watched the movie and i was like what is this thing is it's not it's not great and then i kind of read a little bit more about his work as being a kind of the animation director and uh, even as like the character designer there, but mostly as the animation director and his influence. And it really seems like he was this super visionary person that had this idea that put like the key animator as a, like a front person in there such that each key animator in titles where he's allowed to do it, like birth definitely was where they each have their, sections that um they're able to express and draw things in a way they want to and i think birth is a it might be the best i i because there's another his another most i think in considered like influential um thing which i haven't 
scene ever is uh, Harmageddon, which is like a 1983 movie where I think he did a lot of the same stuff where I think that's why you get so many of these different segments that just look like completely different. It's kind of like the animators were basically told, okay, you have to get from A to B and you have to do this stuff. And people kind of look kind of look like this, but you do you do it however you want to. And it end, ended up with, I think, a lot of really in, in birth, I think it ended up with a lot of really interesting segments and just so many different perspectives. And it, it gave me a lot more kind of like understanding and respect for like what was happening in this thing, because the first time watching through trying to watch it as like a story animated hour 20 minute movie it it makes basically no sense mm-hmm. yeah 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 but... it's definitely animation forward and something that i appreciate more for the animation and the impact rather than for the story the story is crap <laughs> uh agreed um it's i i i really do kind of uh agree with what a lot with what dylan's saying i i think it was meant to be this you know showcase for each of the animators to really kind of show what they what they have and it it kind of shows in how disjointed it can be um maybe you know I, we we we're going into like the technicals here without really even talking about the the plot itself so you know i i maybe i should take a step back and uh give a loose synopsis of what's going on i do want to say before we get off canada uh, yoshinori there's a one of the things that YouTube wanted to show me next was this Sakuga compilation video. It's like an hour long thing just about Kanada Yoshinori. And it's like got interviews with other animators and stuff clipped throughout it. And even like Anno is in it uh, talking about him. So I'll try. And oh, that sounds link like a fascinating watch, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so the the plot of her birth, I don't know, it probably won't take too long because from my understanding is it's set in some all some planet that is not Earth. I at least I assume it's not Earth. Uh and at it's inferred that it's kind of a wasteland and then early on it's basically you know divulged that there was basically a war, you know, some years ago between humans and uh, a race that's referred to as the inorganics which so they're basically kind of this we can assume to be you know robotic race and they're the primary antagonists in this and they seem to come in two sizes uh human sized or um like skyscraper sized <laughs> i guess is the best way to describe it because uh, unless my memory fails me, it seems like the initial chase scene was with the ones that were riding some bikes, and they seemed to be very human-sized. And then the back end was basically just fighting those two enormous inorganics for the remainder. And there's a big, like, bowling ball, or not bowling ball, like, boulder round things that sometimes open up yeah, and I, reveal I, another I, one. I, I just called <laughs> called that a giant space mine, because that's the only thing I could think of it as. <laughs> yeah. For anybody who who remembers our uh, <laughs> California Crisis episode? Um, and so there's the the, sh- the OVA focuses on two, I would say two characters. Um, I I believe they're siblings, a brother brother and sister. And they don't even really say it all though, do they? 
Yeah, they don't, but it's I guess that's inferred. Um, one is considerably more uh, useful than the other, is what I'll say. So the sister... Oh, gosh, I already forgot her name. They had weird names. Uh, it was Nam is the brother... Rasa. And Rasa, yes. The who Rasa who wo- is voiced by, once again, our favorite, Mina Tominaga. Mina Tominaga. <laughs> um, who, who actually, for a while, was married to the voice actor who did Nam, Kazuki Yao. Really? Like, yep. Huh. Huh. Well, yeah, they were married for a while and got separated after it's around 2000-ish or something like that. I'm not sure exactly. Oh, I mean, they were but... married for a pretty long time then, right? I don't know, but they they were married at some point, and hmm. it's no longer the case, but... I see. Well, in, in any case, what you can gather from Nam... What I, the, the easiest way to describe Nam and Rasa, uh, and Rasa is... Uh, Rasa seems to be kind of a hotshot uh, vehicle pilot. She she's pretty much spends 90% of the OVA on either a hover bike or a... Uh, what, what would you describe the the thing she gets in the back half of a, a unibike slash know. hovercraft? I don't know. In any case, she's a hotshot pilot. Um, she quit, she's the first featured character in in the opening and has a pet. Um, let's call it. Oh, I don't it's know. It's a what puyo puyo. Would, yeah, the puyo puyo. <laughs> if you know what that is, um, I already forgot what that was called too. Uh, Muno. Oh, it was called Munyo. and uh, and uh, in any case, both of them were infinitely more useful than uh, than Nam, who, from all I recall, is from him is having a sword on his back that he never used and constantly crashing whatever vehicle he was in. That's pretty much all I remember him doing, <laughs> and then ultimately leading to the destruction of the planet, uh, basically. So he he's basically almost more almost worse than worthless because he is the catalyst for the end of end I of mean, the. Uh, technically, he 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 almost was, but he didn't pull the trigger, right? And then weird inorganic ends up pulling the trigger because. That was the gag. That was that was the gag, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm doing such a terrible job of describing. But really, I mean, that's really about all the plot there really is. And then there's yeah. a few other characters spread out. Uh, eventually, a uh, I don't even know how to describe them. Uh, a space <laughs> pirate named Bao with his assistant, uh, who apparently happened to know Rasa and Nam, shows up, and he basically. Uh, is there to um, locate this this weapon that's capable of annihilating the inorganics? But the downside to this weapon is that whatever planet you use it on, it also basically destroys that planet, which is why they couldn't use it in the original war. That's basically the premise of of the of the OVA. So, since you mentioned Bao, I I want to talk about him for a bit. He's he is. Uh, extremely annoying and he has a very interesting character design with his like i didn't realize this until like near the end but he's wearing flippers yeah his uh he's <laughs> wait i totally didn't catch oh that. yeah yeah he's totally in he's in like space scuba or sp- like yeah. Without, yeah it's bizarre and and he has a um at one point for no reason they explain it all He's in a bind, but he like activates his mohawk, which like manages to 
free him from the inorganic oh, yeah, that's he, like bound he, he him. Goes, he goes Yondu on everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, like, what the? Yeah. It summons his Yondu on? powers. Yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely w- tracks with the uh, each segment of the OVA is being animated by a different team. That could have been literally like, okay, he's here and he needs to get out of there. Do whatever you want to do to get him out. And someone's like, dude, his mohawk's going to go wild. This is going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. And the, uh, and I, I, as long as we're talking about characters, um, I already forgot her name. She's so also unfun. Um, Rada or whatever. Oh, Rasa? Rasa, yeah. Uh, I, do not like her outfit one bit. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, I, I get it. It's but... pretty obvious as to why they they designed it that way, right? <laughs> yes, of course, definitely. Um, and they aerodynamically mention it. Yes, very aerodynamic. <laughs> and her, I don't know. I mean, maybe if I was like, no, I don't know. It's one of those things where like, not even the sex appeal can save it. I mean, it's also like eighties aesthetics early 80s aesthetics and her constant like half of her lines are like moaning as she like is tossed about throughout the ova screenwriting was definitely not the focus of this that's for sure no 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 no, definitely uh on the animation thing and like animators because i was kind of going through the list and like if you go through the list of people that animated this that have gone on to have like a multiple like page infinite scroll on like uh, anime news network for their credits. Like it is a non-trivial number of people that have been worked on so many things for a long time that worked on this. And this wasn't necessarily their first thing, but it's quite possible that for a lot of people, this was a fairly breakout thing. Like a couple of other people that I saw that were, uh, super notable to me was also Mahiro Maeda. He worked on it. Oh, wow. And he's uh, he's a legend. (laughs) And uh, underneath, I didn't realize that she went by a different name, but Cindy Yamauchi uh, worked on as well underneath her, I guess, kind of maybe her original name of, of she goes, Cindy H. Yamauchi. The H was Hideko Yamauchi. Hideko. Mm. Or yeah, Hideko Yamauchi. Um, because she's incredible and has done so much great work. Um, and she's a great guest, too, because she's bilingual. So she's very easy to have as a guest yeah, at things. The very, the very, very rare, yeah. like, super industry veteran that's, like, properly bilingual, yeah. Um, I mean, my God, she's done so much stuff to, like, just, just, it's ridiculous. Like, animation director of Record of Lodos War Episode 1. Basically, the good one. <laughs> like that that alone is like oh okay yeah um but and there's there's a ton of other people on the, that that have worked on lots of stuff and like it's not everyone but it's quite a number of people that have a very non-trivial uh animation portfolio that they've worked as character designers animators key animators directors um all sorts of stuff like uh Hirotoshi Sano, who was like animation director for Razafon and a ton of Gundams and like a bunch of Escaflone stuff, and you know, a key animator for 
Cowboy Bebop and all these other things. And so there's just so many people that were on this that are non, you know, like non-trivial creators. Um, and I think it really, I think it does show. I think that that's, that was the thing I, I, it was one of these odd things where I enjoyed it more watching it the second time. Once I completely dis re, completely discarded the story, which I found very odd for me to do. Probably a lot easier once you've seen it and you know that there's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, you know what? Let's just throw it down. Just let me look at this stuff. Like there's other things where like, when we watch California crisis, I don't think I've ever really wanted to like, maybe, you know, probably even more, but like California crisis, I want to like pause at every frame and be like, wait, hang on. I'm going to piece together this story. Cause it's crazy. But for this one, I honestly, I, there's very few things that I felt as much of like, I want to just like take and just make gifts out of like gifts and short little clips out of like all of these like little like four second animated segments because there are so many that are just like so cool and interesting and different. Um, and like yeah, I made one, I made one out of this like, you know, like a two and a half second of a motorcycle going down inside because you look at it, you're like, wow, it's so cool, like such cool perspective and everything is just so interesting looking in there. At least that that's the thing that I got out of this. When I was watching it pretty early on and kind of seeing where it was going, I just got the feeling like it just looks like a, like a giant animator, a demo reel or exhibition where it's like, yeah, we just do a bunch of cool stuff uh, and don't really care about the story at all. Yep. In that regard, they totally succeeded because the animation is really, really cool. Uh, so much. Mm-hmm. I think, Mike, were you about to say something? I think you got cut off earlier. So. Uh, I was thinking that even though, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot in the story, it's interesting that Imaishi in particular is hugely influenced by uh, Kaneda. Kanata, I am mm, yeah. bad with mm-hmm. my, and you can really see it in Gurren Lagann. Like Gurren you, Lagann yep. borrows a lot from this OVA, even though it does more sensical things with it. Which saying sensical and Gurren Lagann together feels odd, but relative to this, yes. I I completely see where you you can uh where you're, where you're coming from. I especially see a lot of the odd timing of the comedic elements being taken from this and put into Grand Lagan because Grand Lagan at its core is an incredibly intense and you know serious show and uh, most of the time but it definitely has large comedic elements in it that I agree uh I'm not uh, sure. were I I I don't know. I and then I was actually reading uh, a bit about um Canada's influence with a lot of now, you know, big big former Gainax people and uh I never watched the show so I can't say uh whether it's true or not but supposedly the final episode of uh Pantheon stalking with Garter Belt was uh, was basically dedicated to Canada because I think he passed away either right before yeah. or shortly before, so they wanted to do some sort of, you know, homage to him. Mm-hmm. So I think that just goes to show how influential he was for a lot of Gainax people. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's influential for a lot of animators, period. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, you, you can't be, you can't work in almost every major Ghibli film and not be influential, right? Like, that just yeah. doesn't happen. Also, just a minor thing, but, like, Buta in Gurren Lagann made me, like, I was totally thinking about him when we oh, briefly yeah. saw the moles in Birth. <laughs> like, they're a super minor thing, but then Buta totally feels like a shout-out to them. Yeah, you know, I saw that thing and i was like this looks familiar where where have i seen this before you, yeah that's totally yeah it. that's that's to, yeah the 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 oh it's monga was the name what the hell is munio then i'm looking at the cast I, anyway <laughs> monga monga is the thing is the yellow yellow guy that uh, uh that is actually pretty clutch he saves rasa what no no fewer than three times mm-hmm. i feel like from and then from the army Doom. of like his peeps that right Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like at at the end, like the grandpa Monga like shows up, and like you, without any dialogue, you can tell like more story is told in that three seconds than most of the OVA. Mm-hmm. And also, what bit of like world building and exposition this did try to have about the organics versus inorganics felt like kind of. Spirals versus anti-spirals felt sim- very similar to me. Mm. I don't know. I'm not willing to give it that much credit. Uh, there's there's barely a story I, here at all. Yeah. I mean, it was barely used, but it feels like that was borrowed and expanded upon to me. I, th- yeah, I, th- I think it's less about the story, more about taking themes that were in mm-hmm. here and, and implementing it into a proper story, I think. And so and I, I've... I I think in in some ways maybe um, Imaishiyo took saw a lot in birth that was you know that had potential and he realized it into a proper form versus you know just like oh that's but a cool get, yeah <laughs> that's a cool element in an otherwise incredibly bizarre plot. Mm-hmm. Not to say that Grant Logan's plot isn't bizarre at times, but the continuity of... I will give the show credit. The con- its continuity is quite good. I mean, it effectively jumps time. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be super spoiler, even, even though it's, what, 12? Yeah. Well, how old is it? It's like 13 years old now? Yeah, like 2007. Yeah, seven. 2007. Yeah. So it's 15 years old. Oh my goodness. That's I mean, not, unbelievable. Not to, to get too much into Grenlagon, but they they do kind of screw it up. They 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 start it one way with a vision of what they think they're going to end at, and they totally like ah, we changed our minds. So true. They didn't really have so much of a grand vision. Um, yeah, we heard that. We heard that as much directly from the source yeah. from Yamaga's mouth yeah. himself. So <laughs> yeah. we actually attended all of those uh, panels back in the day. Yeah. I, I will say with with birth with the ending like they didn't I I'm I'm not sure what the ending like really is or what it's supposed to mean other than yeah like everyone ends up dead but not dead but trapped inside of space sword and right oh, which, yeah, I didn't which even is talk a, about space sword <laughs> which is a moat in the eye of one of the two space super universe beings so one of the things I I don't remember where I saw this, but it is said that talk about inspiration that that this is is kind of like a spiritual prequel to Mospita, 
you you stole the uh, phrase straight from. That's what I read that as well. So I see a, a non insignificant amount of uh, internet sleuthing that says, yeah, this is basically meant to be a prequel to the end. The end of Birth specifically is meant to be kind of a unofficial prequel to Mospita. I. I it's been eternity since I've watched that. So I truly couldn't say one way or the other. Yeah, I can but. kind of see it as being sort of in the middle of watching Maspita, but I'm watching it very slowly, so it didn't really sink in. But it makes some sense. Also, Joe Saishi did the music for Maspita as well, or at least a chunk of it. And and really? Yoshinori Kanada did the opening animation for Maspita. Hmm. And yeah, so this era of Hisaishi, like, I knew, recognized it was Hisaishi because it sounds like his synthy stuff that he did for, like, Maspita and for um, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind and a little bit of, you know, he was already transitioning away from it a bit for Castle of the Sky and then went more full orchestral later on, but... Yeah, because most people recognize, especially his piano, you could, you could play, like, a five-second piano riff and I can tell you if it's a Hisaishi song or not because he has a very particular cadence with how he writes his piano but Japanese yeah, John it, Williams yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it's great he's phenomenal yeah yeah um, exactly and some of the most iconic you know movie music is is, is penned by him um but yeah I, I I see I see what you're saying Mike where I do now that I think of it, it's been a minute since I've watched Nausicaa but yeah it definitely had more of that synthy kind of element to it than his, you know, full orchestral. Uh, right, and Nausicaa was so. this same year, too, 1984. Yeah. So. Man, this guy, came was, out like, this guy was busy. Holy came out like moly. six months before this. I'm kind of curious on this, because this was, is basically, as far as we can tell, this was, like, Dallas was supposed to be the first OVA, and this one was supposed to be, like, the second or whatever. Um, I'm curious, like... What the, and I don't expect any of an answer, but it's like, what the funding and stuff there was for this and why it ended up, because this is, frankly, it's very long for, like, an OVA. You know, this is, I would expect this to have been, like, at this length to be, like, two OVA episodes, but maybe they just didn't know, or they had something, and they're like, we can't put this out in theaters, this is insane. Um... And so they realize, like, well, maybe we can just sell it directly to people. Maybe they won't know that they're buying Insanity. I mean, I will say, like, Insanity or not, I find it more enjoyable to watch than I find Dallos. Dallos, for me, has always been a slog whenever I've tried it. Yeah, I I haven't ever tried that one. Actually, one of the things is, as as I make that statement, I'm kind of like, well, actually, you know what? Maybe maybe it wasn't those things. They were kind of like, well, maybe we can make this into a movie. And then they're like, well, it doesn't really work. But frankly, this actually feels like it's a thing that is designed for home video purchase. Like, because, you know, it, presumably Laserdiscs had probably just come out and, you know, home rental and stuff. Because it's the sort of thing where, like, you know, this is this is a super otaku product. Because what do you want to do? You want to focus on the little two second, two and a half second thing that you love in this. And you can't do that in a theater, but you can when you have it as a home video. You just mean you can watch it over and over. Yeah. Imagine our Otaku no video protagonist just freeze framing this thing all and spending hours on it. Yeah, they definitely they were they definitely did that. Well, 100%. I mean, to be fair, 
you get that same quality and probably even more from like something like Naushka that you could oh, yeah. pause and step through. So I don't know that it's particularly unique in that regard. Well, I no, think but it's I a think little... what Dylan's go go ahead. I think it's like I agree that you you like you get the insane Ono peak Ono giant scene in like in Naushka and some of the other stuff, but I don't think you get as many different interesting animation perspectives and just craziness that's tossed together where on one video like like I think you described it earlier that was like oh this was like the demo reel for all these different mm-hmm. animators to put stuff out. You definitely don't get that in Nausicaa. Yeah, true. True. That's, I that's I, fair. I think the I think the way I look at it more is birth is basically what you get when you let the animators make all the key decisions. Um, you and I—I I don't know. I feel like that tracks with the final product, right? Like it's got tremendous, you know, cinematography and angles, and and really great art assets in general. But it's borderline unwatchable as far as a plot is concerned, right? Like it's yeah. just all over the place. Where you know, where a full-length feature film like Nausicaa, you have your, you know, script writer, screenwriter, editors, like, you know, it's very meticulously assembled from a plot perspective on top of having the triple S plus tier animators working on it, right? Which is why you can end up with such a, you know, uh, premium experience from both a a plot, music, and animation kind of harmony standpoint. So th- I think it's that's that's just kind of the... They're two very different products. I mean, that sounds like a fancy way of saying, like, it, it, it wouldn't sell as a movie in theaters, and, like, the only people who would buy it is otaku, like, because it's it's basically, it's not, it's oh, not a sure. complete work, I, right? I'm, like, I, I'm totally agreeing with, with Dylan's uh, assessment, yeah, definitely. And this was just really early in OVAs still. I mean, this was the best-selling OVA of 1984, apparently, and it sold... A little under five thousand copies, I think. Where apparently Megazone, which we'll do next episode, sold something like twenty five thousand. So, well, but I mean, you can't even compare the two. Like, it to, if you showed both of these to me, you know, if you erase my memory and showed them to me back to back, and you asked me how far apart were these two animated, I would assume there was at least a five year gap. Um, just in overall, like total package like i i think that birth is animated phenomenally but megazone like you just look at the whole package and it's so much more advanced than what birth has right it is one of those things i think is really interesting where it's some of these times it just feels like oh my gosh like how much did like things advance like every like six months where you go from something like birth which has all these really cool animation segments and it's also like it's almost like hey we'll pay you to learn how to animate and draw these crazy things and then you can go and take that you know like a year later and go do you know megazone or some of like the really cool segments and i don't know bubblegum crisis or like tv stuff that has incredible really cool stuff like zeta gundam and some of the other like mid and later 80s things like that i'm gonna be the the party pooper again though and say like there's no reason to believe that this was them learning because there were also perfectly well assembled things like the knowledge was out there for people to make good stuff they'd been making anime for a while by this time 
just seems like a production that was more of a problem than anything. Like they just happen to have a talented team, right? But they didn't budgeting yeah. too, right? I mean, who knows how much they actually or how much or how little they put into this, right? I mean, they paid all the good animators and they paid Hisaishi. Like, is the thing they're missing is like a, a story, really? Well, that's why I'm thinking of those. Maybe they just blew, they, they just blew their budget on the animators on Hisaishi, and that's why you ended up we ended up with what we have. Uh, I mean, I I guess, but I feel like that's. That can't be the big the big cost in a in a production. Yeah, that's got to be that's because that's the thing where it's like, oh hey, yeah, we delayed this by six months to get a story that's not incomprehensible garbage. Well, and then that's something that you say, big animators. But I mean, at this point, a lot of these people were still really early in their careers, right? I mean, not that many of them were were like a listers at this point yet. I feel. Yeah, I, I guess I couldn't say whether or not, but I mean, it's still a decent portion of your budget just to pay all the people to sure. do these things. But just to me, it's still to me if like to say that Birth and Megazone were only separated by a year is mind blowing when you think about the the end results. I mean, obviously, different production studios, different teams. Yeah, I guess I, I, I assume Megazone's budget was pretty substantial just based on the final product. I could be wrong. I really don't know the background of it. Mike could probably fill us in when we do the episode. Um, I just but, feel like yeah. giving those as your two points of reference to to demonstrate how far anime came is, I think, uh, a little bit deceptive, right? Because, again, there are other things that were sure. even better than Birth. That were going oh, on. Oh, yeah. ab- absolutely. But you know, they are yeah. two. O- they are two OVAs that are separated by a year. Versus- I'm not trying. You know, I'm trying to compare apples to apples, right? Like, I don't think it'd be fair mm-hmm. to compare like Nausicaa to Megazone, right? For example, I don't think yeah. that's a fair. I mean, comparison. nothing else really incredibly animated came out in 1984 aside from Nausicaa. It's not like Do You Remember Love came out in '84 too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It. Is is a bad story. I don't think they get a pass on that. And I mean, to be on and to be fair to them too, like that—that's really the only thing that they're missing for the most part. Uh, is is a story to tie it together. But like the animation is great. Like if they had a story to go through with that, like this would have been—I have to imagine—it would have been a huge hit. Yeah, if they had had a story and like a producer that was like, "No, we're gonna cut out the zoom in on the girl's butt shots and like <laughs> yeah. the and Bao literally removing his eyes and like <laughs> yeah. just all the other stuff, be like, "No, no, cut, 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 cut." But for every reason, like in some of those things, where we're like, you know, I'm sure we could possibly find something somewhere, but it's kind of like. You know, for whatever reason, those were not things that anybody decided that they cared about. I think they were just, this whole direct-to-video thing was a new, exciting possibility, and they were still trying to figure out what the hell to do with it. And by new, I mean new. Like, apparently, by the time Megazone came out, there had only been 19 OVAs, and like 11 of them were hentai. (laughs) Really? Wow, that's actually, that's quite a statistic. It could be that that could explain why it's just kind of like seems like they just uh, just go, 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 because it could have been literally something where they're like, we have to get something out like within the next three months. We don't care if the story's garbage. Just go. Mm. We don't have time to wait for that. Yeah, it, it it's totally possible that it was more like a yeah, here's money. 
we need to make this investment now. Go. We don't have time to think of a story, um, or we don't have time to wait for you to think of a story. You have to start animating today. Um, yeah, that's yeah, because plausible. As far as visually striking anime from 1984 that also had a story, UI2 Beautiful Dreamer also came out this oh year. Oh my god, that was also that year. Oh, good lord. Yeah. Wow. That's, wow. Man, 84 really was oh, just Oh yeah, it was. It, things, things, things blew up. It was like... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. This was based on a manga, right? Correct. The manga's gotta be a mess, too. Was it incomprehensible? Probably. <laughs> That's actually a great... I actually <laughs> should look for it because now I'm... Now I'm interested to see what the other thing is. It just seems like super rushed, right? Like mm-hmm. that. Well, rushed in a sense that you end up with the first half of this, you know, over of an hour and twenty minute over is effectively a prolonged chase scene. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, grant, no, granted, that's my favorite part. It's animated unbelievably well, and the camera angles and the cuts were just beautifully assembled i mean i could just watch honestly that sequence looped for an hour and 20 minutes and call it good yeah it just has great flow to it and it's probably why the character designs seem a little on the simplistic side to make them easier to animate and flow better at mm-hmm. least for the ones that are in the chase sequence yeah and and that's like half the content and then you're basically trying to jam in uh, oh yeah by the way here's a very brief history of why this world is like this and why we are fighting these this race of you know inorganic things and then we're chased and then we're chased into an abandoned city which that segment was no not gonna lie the animation was took a dip and also the uh the motion blurring effects got really lazy. Mm. <laughs> like, really, really lazy. If you pause on any given frame, you see a lot of really bad, sketchy <laughs> pen li- pencil lines. It's it's oh, pretty egregious. Man. So, it, clearly somebody was assigned that error section who did not, either A, did not care about it, or B, did not, was not very good at the whole motion blur part of animating. But, uh... Yeah, I took a screenshot at one point near the end there <laughs> it's, it was uh oh my God. not a great I, one i believe the term to describe your screenshot there is derpy yeah yes <laughs> yeah wow and i also was i was disappointed by the designs of the giant inorganics they just seemed really overly simplified and they just kind Easy. of yeah you just saw the giant eye most of the time uh i mean fortunately there was plenty of other good animation cuts in that part so like whatever but that was kind of a disappointment that's one of those things too where i'm like i wonder if they're like you know what maybe we design these things a little simpler because then we can not spend our lives drawing these crazy super detailed mechas just get those things out of the way because we have to make it x minutes long okay we got there oh my goodness we got this thing out it's on a it's on a laser disc chip it yeah you know now now that i think about it maybe it was also like a timing thing because no lie the quality got worse and worse as you get towards the end like by the end i'm like gosh this doesn't look like the same characters anymore as your screenshot proves so yeah but then i it... I, I think it tracks that maybe they spent two-thirds of their animation time on the opening chase sequence and they realized oh crap guys we have to finish this in a month and they just they just slammed out the last you know the the, the, the remainder of it as fast as possible without you know with quality clearly taking a hit aside from yeah. the planet combustion scene which is incredibly well done 
super cool. At least oh, I, yeah. I think I think that it, yeah, cool. it, I, it looked cool, but more from for me, it was more from an art direction perspective. Like I don't think it was particularly difficult to animate that segment. That's fair enough. I just it's one of those things where I think it was cool special effects stuff with good good yeah, music yeah, yeah, for and sure. like. Uh, no, like yeah. art from like artistically, yeah. it was a cool scene. I totally agree, but I don't from a technical standpoint. I don't think I think that was probably pretty easy to animate. You're not you're you're drawing light you know light blurs and a planet. You're not driving drawing up too many like you know characters where the detail is required. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna say. So my question that I come back to with this always is like. Would you would you recommend this one to someone, anyone, or a particular someone? <laughs> Only people who appreciate like Sakugo Otaku, like Bingo. Yeah, Sakugo Otaku, and people who are interested in kind of anime history and the sort of weird stuff that was being made in the bubble era and how that evolved. I mean, for those people, just read about it. Like it, it, it really is. If you don't appreciate animation at that level, like it's kind of torture to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Also interesting how this has ties to the other weird bubble era OVAs we've been watching, at least a chunk of them. Like the mecha design. One of the mecha designers for this was Makoto Kobayashi, who did Dragon's Heaven. Oh. It definitely you with this this early eighties very kind of low key stuff. You definitely get the feeling of just kind of how small the world was for for people that were putting yeah. out this sort of stuff. And then also Kanada Yoshinori, who did was animation director and character design for this, also did was character design for Download, which kind of tracks. Hmm. Hmm. And also did some key animation in that. So I'm sure if we find some of the really interesting character animation bits of download, they're probably his. Yeah, well, there's a lot of those in that in that thing. I did want to... Some other thing that struck me as weird, I mean, I don't want to uh, dump on this thing too much, but the sound effects and things were really odd. Like, there were parts that seemed like they just decided not to do any sound effects or they like forgot uh or they didn't like line up at all i completely the audio engineering in general was almost completely like devoid or just done by amateurs because i agree it was horribly synced and the like the volume the sound like you have one part where you know something like that little the little floaty bike that rasa rides you know if you know flies off and explodes and it explodes pretty far off in the distance and it sounds like it's blowing up right next to your head <laughs> and then you see her tumbling down this this cliffside and she's not making a sound i'm like who mm-hmm. was who, who was the you know the 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 audio director for this like that doesn't make any sense at all from a from a you know i won't even say modern standpoint because i mean clearly people understood how to do proper sound engineering at this at this stage in animation i mean yeah like i was i was I'm totally willing to like give him a pass on like sound quality because you know it was hard to do it back then. Not everybody had like Skywalker sound or whatever, but like just yeah, things not being there at all or like not syncing up at all was like in the beginning. I I started to wonder like if this was um 
like pre-recorded audio and the animators just did what they want instead but then later things made me think like no this looks like after recorded so like i don't know yeah there is kind of it feels like kind of like as you were saying the later part maybe that rush also carried over to post and they had to cut corners there no it could be possibly yeah because but i would say even early in i although i guess it's not necessarily done in sequence right so if audio was the last thing they worked on that would that would definitely track with why it seems so poorly done yeah yeah if that comes at the end of the schedule it suffered may suffer the most coming back to yoshinori kanata he he was also a key animator i don't know from like episode one of the show called gundam i don't know heard of that (laughs) one the hell is I've that? I've heard of it. It's just like his. It's his insane. Everything he said. Sorry, I, I, I know we're on a different thing. It's just like you're, just like oh my god, like how the 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 guy is influential and <laughs> yeah. has worked and at pretty much every major IP moving forward from here. Right? I mean, it's you yeah. cannot get more decorated than being a key animator for Ghibli and working on Gundam. Like you know, it's, and, and a key animator on Akira. <laughs> oh yeah, F- and, yes, exactly. and Arcadia of my youth, and 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 yeah, you, we could go. We, we, I mean, his filmography we could spend several episodes <laughs> on. So uh, we I probably will sooner or later. I, I mean, we we, we, we got to keep coming with topics, right? So. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely gonna like, watch this uh, documentary thing on him. Um, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. Definitely. Yeah, I'm very interested in it as well. And since I was uh, poor poor with my reading comprehension and scheduling, I'm already ahead of schedule on my watch list since I have already have watched Megazone <laughs> again. So <laughs> so for one, one, the one time we actually do have a planned next episode is Megazone 23. Is it part just part one or parts one and two? Just I part be- one, I believe. Part one only. Yeah, okay. I think that's what we agreed was for just for part one. And then depending on how that goes, we can we can maybe option in part two. Not gonna lie, I actually have never watched part two. So not that not to suggest that I I, I want I want to for this, just throwing it out there. But uh we I the current plan so I guess we can talk about our this is kind of like a, gonna be a three part series on well, I mean for this for this run of episodes, it's gonna be a three part series focusing on um, early '80s OVA. So this ep was it, it's gonna go in chronological order. So this episode focused on Birth, which came out in 1984. Uh, next episode will focus on Megazone Two Three Part One, which came out in 1985. And then uh, currently, the plan is to uh, for the next ep- third episode is to focus on Project Echo, which came out, first episode came out in 1986. So that uh, was we, really theatrical, not an OVA. Oh, is that right? Is, was it really theatrical? I thought it was an OVA. Though to be fair, I think, didn't this also have an Aaron Mark? So, I mean, technically this was exhibited theatrically once. I'm not sure to what extent they did. I don't think this was primarily theatrical. This was clearly primarily OVA. I'm less sure about Project Aco. Hmm. Interesting. If you don't know Mike, then there's there's no hope for us. So. <laughs> oh, I'm just not an Aco expert, though. If I go through all of the extras on the Discotech Blu-ray, maybe I will be because that thing is packed. 
Let's see. So that's that's everything I have on my uh, on my docket. Does uh, anybody have anything to add before we uh, wrap up for tonight? Sure, I have a I have a a quick and silly quick and silly game. So people can bits or boats. Uh, which of the following shows have I watched? And I will say to to the end. Guren Lagan. Mahromatic and Space Dandy. And the question is, you've only watched one of those all the way through? No, the statement is, which which have I watched all the way through? And mm. I'll tell you, it's not all of them. Mm. You can feel free to inquire or make rude comments about me. <laughs> well, I mean, given that, I almost want to say that I'll, I know you were a big Mahromatic fan. We all were. <laughs> Let's be yeah. real. <laughs> but but season two so are you saying watched as in just the first because Mahromatic is two seasons so do you mean just season one i will say i will say season season one of each of these because there's also season two of space Day. got it i'm positive you watched all of Mahromatic. yeah i would also say that that's what that would, what yeah. I would guess that is correct uh i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be be uh try to read the meta here and say you actually have not watched all of Guren Lagan. Yeah, I would say that as <laughs> well, just given a certain convention Dylan was not at. Uh are we including the movie in the, just the season one, right? Just that the season said? one. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, I guess if I'm gonna play if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play the meta like Nick, uh I would say it was you haven't watched all of Guren Lagan. But you know what? I'm just gonna go with my heart. So you haven't watched all of Space Dandy, and then you have watched all of Grenlagon. And I, I think Space Dandy is one of those zany enough shows that you decided to stick with it and go all the way through. So I'm going to say you watched Space Dandy and Mahromatic, but not all of Grenlagon. Yeah, I'm answer. leaning with Nick on that. Okay, the correct answer is I, I have not finished Grenlagon. I've gotten through the first few episodes like three or four times. And oh, I have wow. never seen any of Space Dandy. Oh wow! Oh. Okay. Oh. Okay. That that doesn't surprise me a ton. So yeah, but yeah. Mar- I kn- I knew you watched Mahar. Yeah. Like we I, we all fanboyed the hell out of that show when it came yeah. out. So I mean, that, it still holds a pretty special place in my heart. Not gonna lie, it's it's one of the the very few incredibly etchy shows that I actually just can't. I I I can't get over it. It's it's. Yeah, been a while like since I, just, I watched it though. I, I just I dug up my uh, my old Pioneer DVDs. And I'm like, man, I should rewatch this, but maybe when my wife isn't around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, re- I want to rewatch Run Lock On actually more. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's been at least ten years since I've watched it. So. Same. Gosh, that's so unbelievable. It's fifteen years old. That's mm. that's unbelievable. Yep, it's one where like I there's a couple different times I've kind of like started watching and then I got distracted by something else in life. It wasn't like I didn't enjoy it, but I wasn't into it enough to make it have to take over everything else. And then Space Standing is one I've heard about since it came out, and I've just literally just never seen any of it. That's that's one to chat about for sure at some point. It's uh it's wacky to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, these longer shows we might have to split up into like a certain number of ep chunks per episode or something. 
Hmm. If I like we want to try and tackle those. I don't dislike that idea. Okay. Anyways, well, not trying to drag us drag us over forever, but I thought it could be a silly a silly side. Oh no, I appreciate thing. it. Actually, that yeah, you know, nothing wrong with a little bit of a of a you know dessert after main course. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But with so as I mentioned, our next episode will be focusing on Megazone two three, part one. But until then, this is AMO Kenzoku signing off. Sarabha.